Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Jesus promised us many, many things. Um, But two things that He promised us are, one, that we would be happy with Him. Blessed are those who... um, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for His his name's sake. He promised us that we would have happiness. Not in a a, uh, a prosperity sense, that we were going to have everything that we wanted uh, or anything like that, but that we would have a deep abiding joy. And He also promised us tribulation. He promised us trouble. In this world, we will have trouble That's one of the things we're going to look at tonight. It's kind of a pattern that we see in Jesus' life, in the, in the life of the apostles, and it's something that we all experience all the time. In order to get to whatever is going to have joy, we first have to pass through suffering. Um, just think about athletes. You know, athletes, they work and they train um, Someone like uh, LeBron James, uh, probably not a whole lot following sports here, but um, LeBron James, they say he's possibly one of the greatest of all times for basketball, and he trains um, all the time, even in the offseason. And why? It's so that he has the reward of being the best at what he does. And those who are in the military, they, they go through basic training and they go through all these rigorous things to try to beat themselves up to get them into the tip-top condition they can possibly be in for the reward that comes to the end. And, and you can probably think of many different things in your own life. I mean, just working every week for a paycheck. It, it, there's a suffering that, that each one of us does, we, we don't necessarily like the things that we do, the, the mundane, the tedious things that we do throughout the week, but there's a reward in the end. And Jesus here tells about trouble that's coming and, and how His disciples will weep and they will lament, but it will be followed by joy be followed by great joy. Let's look at what Jesus has to say, beginning in verse 16 of chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. A little while and you will see me no longer. Again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is, that, what is this he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. 
You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you will that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. And I am, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus has overcome the world. Though we have trouble, though we have struggles with sin, with opposition, with health, with all various manner of difficulties. Jesus has overcome the world. And He's given us a joy that no one can take away. Father, I pray that You would give us ears to hear. I pray that You would give us eyes to see. I pray that you would give me grace. Give me the strength to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in a lengthy discourse where Jesus has been talking with his disciples. Remember, he had washed his disciples' feet in chapter 13. He had told Peter that he was going to betray him. And then Jesus is teaching His disciples, talking over and over again about how He's going away to prepare a place for His disciples, and then He's going to come back again, and that He's going to send a Comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them, and the Holy Spirit will give them power. 
And he keeps circling around these ideas, but the disciples are still not getting it. And here again, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to go a little way, I'm going to go a little, go away for a little while, and I'm going to come back. And the disciples, they still don't get it. They don't understand. And they're, they're asking, Jesus, what do you mean by this? We just, we don't understand. And he, he explains it to them again. I'm going away for a little while. You're sorrowful about this night now. You're, you're afraid. You're sorrowful. But, and he gives a little bit of a comparison. First he says, beginning in verse uh, 20, He says, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Let's stop there for a second. Let's think about this. First, he says, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Jesus is telling I'm going to go away. He, he's, he's telling them, not out, straight out, but he's, he's telling them, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to go and I'm going to lay down my life for you. And you are going to weep and you're going to lament. These disciples, they still don't understand what's going on. They still don't understand all the implications of the cross. And as Jesus goes to the cross, he says, you're going to weep and you're going to lament and the world is going to rejoice. The world, the system of, of the world that is, that is against Jesus, that is against God. All of the religious professionals that, that wanted to put Jesus down because He claimed to be the Son of God. They were going to rejoice. And Satan and all of the, the evil powers of all of the universe were going to rejoice because the Son of God would die. That he would go to the cross and that he... But, he follows this up by saying, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. They're going through a valley. They're going through what might be described as the valley of the shadow of death. They don't understand what's going on. They don't understand why Jesus is going to the cross, why He's being put to death. They they understand He's the Messiah, and the Messiah is supposed to come and make everything better. But at the time, all they see is that, that He's going to a cross, and they're mourning, and they're weeping, And he tells them, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. On the third day, when Jesus rose from the dead, they'll understand then. They'll understand that though He died, He will not stay dead. He was risen on the third day and then the disciples will have joy. Their sorrow whenever He was crucified will be turned to joy. Joy that He had risen from the dead. Joy that He had defeated the last enemy, which was death. Then... Jesus gives them an illustration. 
he tells how it's like a woman whenever she gives birth. Going, going through the experience, uh, uh, me and Josh are the only males in the room. <laughs> and, and some of you have experienced the process of birth. And, and you don't forget. Like, like Jesus says, she forgets the pain. and the, You don't forget. But what he means there is that it's not longer important. There's a, now a human being here that, that you turn to and you love and you embrace and you care for. Now that the baby is here, you don't even think about all the pain that you went through to get there. And Jesus tells his disciples, that's what it's going to be like. You, you're going to suffer. You're going to be scattered, he tells us later. Because of the opposition that comes, because of the... the, the and even Peter is going to deny Jesus. And yet... After it all, when they've gone through this valley, their sorrow will be turned to joy. They'll be so overjoyed by the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead, by the fact of what Jesus has done, that they will forget about all the pain and the trials that they went through. Jesus then begins to talk a little bit about prayer. He tells us in verse 22, so you have been with, sorry, so you have sorrow now, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, Jesus is telling them, in that day your, um, you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, Whatever you have, ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Why won't they ask anything from Jesus Himself? It's because He won't be there present anymore. Jesus will come back, He'll raise from the dead, but He's going to ascend to the Father. He's going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is telling His disciples that you, they can ask directly to the Father in Jesus' name and they will receive whatever they ask for. Isn't it a great privilege that we have that we can come before God, come before His throne and pray. Jesus gives us bold access to the throne of God. Hebrews talks about this as well. He opens the way that we can boldly approach the Father's throne. And come to Him in prayer. Jesus says in verse 24, Until now you have asked nothing in My name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. There's a, there's a time change here. We just had our time change last night. We put our uh, clocks forward by an hour. But there was a, there was a time change between before the cross and after the cross. While Jesus' disciples were, were walking with Him for all those years, those three years, they didn't pray and ask God in Jesus' name then. But after the cross, He gives them authority to go to the Father directly and pray and ask in His name and they would have their prayers answered that their joy would be full. The Father wants us to have joy. And He wants us to pray to Him 
that we will have our joy complete. I want to linger here for just a minute because I, I think about so many of the prosperity preachers who are all about the joy. They're all about having the things and the stuff. That they can have happiness and health and all those things, but they forget to talk about the trouble. My, my brothers and sisters, family, we go through trouble in this life. And we may pray and we may pour our hearts out to God and God is sovereign and He's in control and He can answer whenever that's the best thing. And sometimes what we're asking for is not what God's will is. But He is good and He is faithful. And in the end, when we get to the end and we see Him face to face, we'll have nothing to complain about. Because having Him will be enough. Having Him, seeing Him face to face, beholding His glory will be all the reward that we need. We'll forget about all the suffering because we'll have Jesus. Jesus understands His disciples are, are struggling to understand what He's talking about and he tells them, I, I've said these things to you in, figurative, in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figures of speech. Again, he's talking about this transition of time before the cross and after the cross. He's saying, right now, I'm still talking to you in figures of speech, but at that time, whenever that time comes, I'm not going to do that any longer. Jesus disciples, they say, oh, now you're speaking plainly. They think they get it. They think they understand whenever Jesus explains to them that He's going away and He's coming back, but they still don't get it. He says, Jesus answers them after they, they say, they, they make this statement about understanding that He's not speaking in figurative language anymore, and, he, and Jesus answers, do you now believe now, it's written here as a question, but it's kind of a rebuke. Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Because look at what he follows that up with. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. They confidently say, just like Peter had said, even if, even if everybody else falls away, I won't. I'll die for you, Jesus, is what Peter says. And here, they confidently say, we believe you. We understand what you're saying. And Jesus says, no, you don't yet. The time hasn't come yet. But when I come to the cross, you'll all be scattered. You will mourn. You will lament. You will be shaken. You'll be scattered and you'll run from me. But Jesus won't be alone 
he says. I won't be alone, for the Father is with me. And I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. What are they going to feel like after they have walked with Jesus, they've claimed this loyalty, they've, they've said, we're going to follow you no matter what, and then they fail? What are they going to feel like? Jesus warns them advance, in advance, warns them this is going to happen. Warns them that they will be shaken. Warns them that they will be scattered so that when it happens, they'll have peace. They'll understand that it was part of God's plan. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The disciples, they experienced tribulation. They saw the coming of of the cross and they, they saw Jesus being beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross and dying and being buried and and they must have been shaken. They were scattered all over. And yet on the third day when Jesus rose again, they rejoiced. And these words are not just for the disciples. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We can hear these words for ourselves. Whether it be a sin that we struggle with. In this world, we will have trouble. Whether it be health problems. In this world, we will have trouble. Whether it be financial. In this world, we will have trouble. Whether it be relationship problems. Uh, an estrangement between ourselves and a, and a loved one. In this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus tells us, take heart. Take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. And when we're walking through the valley, when we're walking through those difficult circumstances, when it feels like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. For He is with us. He has overcome the world. He has defeated death. He has defeated and overcome the world. Jesus had said in the first part of the passage, the world would rejoice whenever people, whenever He come, goes to the cross, whenever He's died, whenever He's put in that grave, the world would rejoice. The Satan and all of His minions and, and all of the, the, the evil in the world, they would rejoice at what was happening to Jesus. But Jesus tells us, take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is a a chasm between the world and the followers of Jesus. But that chasm is not so large that it cannot be bridged. We all come into this world as sinners. 
We all come into this world with our fist raised at God because we are rebellious at heart. And in our sin nature, in, in, the, in the way that we were born, we would rejoice at the wicked that happened to Jesus. But He has been so gracious that while we were yet sinners, that while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins, He died for us. Jesus died for sinners. Are you with the world? If you've not yet trusted in Jesus, look to Him. Look to Him. Maybe you're going through some kind of difficult experience that you, you can't understand. Jesus doesn't promise to take all of your problems away, but He promises to give you joy in the midst of it. He promises to be there with you. He promises that in the end, whenever you look back upon your life, all of the struggles and the difficulties will be nothing compared to the joy of being with Him forever. This, this message contrasts the world and the followers of Jesus. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus, look to Him. In this world, there's going to be trouble regardless of whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. In this world, there will be trouble. But Jesus has overcome the world. He gives us joy in the midst of difficulties. And one day, all of this will be nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.